Good afternoon, this is Gary Kavner here on TRSI. I'm here today with my friend and colleague Michael Dwyer. Today is Friday, it is the 22nd of the 10th, and all things are right in the world. Michael, how have you been? I've been well enough, Gary, thank you. And how are you? I'm good. I still don't have internet. Well, I mean, you can't expect that kind of thing to happen just overnight. No, nor can I apparently expect to happen within any of the time frames I've been given. Why don't you tell them you're a hub for Amazon? I feel they wouldn't believe me. You could try. But then I have successfully convinced them that I am in fact my own wife, so... Anything is possible. And you're not. I'm not. I don't think that sort of thing is legal in this country. These days it may be not. It may be on the way to being compulsory. Or Tempus or Morris. That's the sort of topsy-turvy world we live in, Michael. Marry a tree. You know, I had a, a wonderful entry into the first story that I thought we would do. And now it's just gone totally to hell. So I hope you're happy with yourself. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm happy with myself, Gary. But, you know, on a good day I get by. Well, anyway, I wanted to talk about the thing happening in England where there are all these reports of people being spiked, having drinks spiked, but instead of spiking the drink, using needles to inject people directly with the drugs. It's a big panic in England at the time, and there was stuff I uh, I just wanted to kind of go through that, and some of the, shall we say, issues, Michael, with the reporting of it. And I did have a, a wonderful, graceful introduction, and now we have to go with that pile of crap. <laughs> It's just the worst thing that happens to you today, Gary. It won't be too bad. So, as I was saying there, there is a big thing in England at the minute. And we're probably, now with the nightclubs about to open in this country, you're likely to see some reporting about it in Ireland. And possibly people claiming that it's happened to them in Ireland. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting little story. Because, Michael, we've talked about before, about perceptions of risk. And how, what people think could happen to them, what negative thing people could happen to them, versus how likely that thing is to happen to them. And there are some pretty there are some pretty big impacts of your perception of risk and your perception of danger on your quality of life. If you constantly think you're you're at risk or you're in danger, you'll tend to have more stress, more anxiety. Obviously it will impact your life in a major way if you think there's a ton of stuff you can't do without being hurt. And what we consistently see in, in the, the research findings is that young people, particularly young women, have a very distorted sense of how common violence is and who is the primary target of that violence. So young women tend to think that young women are the primary target of most violence. That's not actually the case. Young men are the target of most violence. They're also the perpetrator of the vast majority of violence. And drink spiking is one of those things that... There's a lot of work done on, a lot of stuff. You go on the HSE, you go on any of the charities in Ireland that are in this kind of area. They will talk to you about it, how it's a massive issue, and the steps you can take to prevent it. And the problem with it is that the academic research on drink spiking is very different from the discussions of it in the public space. And we'll go into that as as we talk about this particular thing. Sorry, before we get, can I, I'd just like to include here the for people who are worried, and just as a public service announcement, if you like, what the symptoms of drink spiking are. Uh, this is from the BBC website, and which are working with the students' union in Sheffield, a number of clubs in the area, and the police who are uh, trying to crack down on this. So symptoms include slurred speech, dizziness, drowsiness. Sickness, headaches, confusion, and passing out. 
which uh, list of symptoms I don't know but it occurs to me that there are other things that would normally be associated with those symptoms also that you might be even it might be possible to confuse them with to say the excess consumption of alcohol I mean you might say that Michael but I certainly couldn't comment well no I no, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say it I'm merely saying that this is something we should be aware of because people can sometimes confuse to the two things you know and say because all the symptoms are very similar to the uh, symptoms that you that are associated with being drunk that people maybe thought they were drunk is really what I'm saying Gary maybe thousands of people think they're drunk but they're not actually drunk at all but their drink has been spiked could you even say that because alcohol is actually an amnesiac which is to say it stops the formation of memories that you could perhaps get drunk and then because you can't physically form new memories because you have ingested you know a uh, amnesiac you would wake up with the view that you actually didn't drink that much at all and then you'll talk to someone else and you were just doing shots just one after the other sometimes and i tell you actually what's very interesting gary because this is obviously something that must go together when you wake up and you can't remember having drunk that much, so you know you didn't drink that much, you will find when you check your wallet that there's actually quite a lot of money missing because clearly you didn't drink the same amount of the that that is would be suggested by the amount of money that should be in your wallet. So somebody has probably taken money from your wallet as well as spiking your drink. That would be interesting, Michael, if... The influence of alcohol on memory formation could change from person to person and depending on how you're feeling on any particular day so that you could go out in some nights and drink massive amounts and be absolutely fine and go out in others and have a few drinks and be just blackout drunk. There you go. Mm. But anyway, we'll get to that. What this thing, this thing that's going around, you'll see, as I said, you'll see it in all of the British papers. I would expect to see it covered in Irish papers soon. And we may see people claiming that it's happening to them in Ireland. The long and the short of it is that people are now saying, well, instead of putting it into the drinks, they're injecting young women with these drugs. Like you're talking direct hypodermic needle injection? Yeah. Right. Okay. I will accept, Michael, the possibility that there is someone in some part of England who is, for fun, poking people with a syringe. Stranger things have happened. It would be very unlikely that that person is trying to inject anyone with enough drugs to spike them for a couple of reasons. The primary one being, the primary one is it's very difficult to actually inject someone with the quantity of drug you would need to actually spike them. And because only certain drugs can be ingested, because a lot of drugs that you might think you could inject people with can't. They have to be either heated or they have to be ingested. They wouldn't work as a direct injection. just... So you would need quite a large needle because most of this stuff is probably going to be suspended in fluid and you would need to get it into an appropriate area of someone's body deep enough to inject it properly and then you'd probably need to keep it there for I would say 10 to 20 seconds. Do we have any sense of what people believe might be the substance or substances that are being used by these spikers? No. No, there is is no information of that sort. What is happening is there is just an increasing number of claims from women that this has happened to them. And you're starting to see pictures in the British newspapers of women with sort of circular bruising and saying that uh, there's a pinpoint 
somewhere in the bruising, but not a lot of detail on what's happening. One picture that I did notice from one of the people who was claiming this, they said that they had been injected on the back of the hand. Injecting the sort of thing you would need to actually take someone out of it. When they're unaware of you in a nightclub to the back of the hand, I would class as a rather unlikely event. The thing is, Gary, I don't... I don't have a problem conceiving of a world where there might be a person or persons who, for whatever particular reasons of their own, would decide that this was something that they wanted to do. There are enough weird, fucked up people in the world that pretty well anything is possible regarding people going out doing things to other human beings. I, I, that's, I don't have a problem conceiving that this is a possibility. But if you're in a club or a bar and you're injecting someone in the back of their hand and this has happened, not well. The, the, I don't know in the case of the hand thing. Maybe this is one case, but this this is something which is supposed to have happened to quite a number of people. They have been injected, but nobody has been seen injecting. Nobody has spotted this. No, and it's happened in multiple locations that are not terribly geographically close to each other. And also, nobody has. Nobody has kind of shouted out, Oi, mate, you're sticking a needle in my hand. Fuck off. Or, this looper's sticking a needle in me. What the fuck's that about? You would have thought that might have happened at some stage. Nobody seems to have noticed this being done to them. The descriptions I've seen so far talk about things like uh, uh, pinching or piercing pain, briefly, and then nothing. And this is being done in the club, right? Mm -hmm. It's not being done... Well, I okay. Why why is it being done? What is the motivation behind this? I mean, are these people what after they've been injected? Do they become susceptible, or do they black out? I mean, do these does this mean that they are in a position where somebody can sort of bring them back to their lair, or where they can abuse them, or? Do things to them. What's the what's the scenario here? What's what what is the motivation? Things like this have happened in the wild, Michael. But there's a very particular group of people that things like this tend to happen to. Um, dissidents, primarily yes. from certain Eurasian yeah. and Asian and occasionally South American states. This sort of thing occasionally happens to them, so it can be done. But that's the sort of level you're talking about here. Someone would need to know the exact dosage that would be required to put you under, the drugs that would work, have the equipment, have the medical know-how to do it, and generally will have to do it in such a way where you can be contained. So, like, you are grabbed, injected, and thrown into a van. That sort of thing. And in England, we've seen certain experts come out, and no one wants to say this is not happening. Partially because maybe... Something very odd is happening. Probably not spiking related, but something, some weird thing. So no one wants to say it's definitely not happening. And also because no one really wants to come out and say the women who are alleging this, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. That's just not where people want to be. But a lot of the experts who are being talked to about this, they're talking about the difficulties and how unlikely it would be. And, you know, we, we can't jump to conclusions, Michael. No, because every situation is potentially different. As regards the general theme 
of spiking, which comes in every so often. It's almost like there's a sine wave of anxiety regarding spiking. I remember reading an article many moons ago, which was written by the the chief of an um they don't call it what do they call it in America? What do they call accident emergency? Is it A and E? What do they call it? you know, they don't they call it something else, don't they? Anyway, the accident emergency and a bit in uh, of ca- what we call casualty, isn't it? Is A and E in in a hospital, a large hospital in the United States, in New York, he said and he said that in something twenty years or something of his his time working in accident emergency, he had never actually come across a case where he, he could reasonably substantiate that such a thing had happened when they did the blood tests and they did the drug screening and all that, that uh, what you tended to find were people with very elevated levels of blood alcohol, but nothing else. As a consequence of that, I spoke to somebody who worked as, as a consultant in casualty in a large hospital in Dublin. And I said, well, what does do you think this happens? And he says, I've heard of people saying it happened. I've had people presenting in casualty saying it had happened. But again, his experience was, and he said that this was, generally speaking, the experience of people who worked in the area, that when you did talk screens, you did blood tests and all and drug screens, that nothing ever shows up. And they tend just to be people with very elevated levels of alcohol in their blood. And I suppose, like, you never want to be the guy who comes out and says when something like this happens, oh, well, it's just a bit of a panic and it's all just people getting drunk. Because what happens if, in fact, there is some kind of weird monster going around the streets of Sheffield injecting women? And you turn out, you're you're the guy who forever afterwards is going to be the guy who said it was all just nonsense. Yeah, and of course, there is an added political dimension here because it is primarily young women who are saying this is happening to them. And that's just adding another layer of we don't really want to start making accusations here. There are there are studies that say drink spiking, incredibly common, being spiked, incredibly common. And there are studies that say drink spiking, either we don't see it at all, or if it happens, it's incredibly rare. And I can understand that would be quite confusing to people, Michael. But I've noticed one consistent difference in those actual study types. The studies that say being spiked is incredibly common are surveys, generally of students. And then that information is presented as if the students' answers represent reality. But they don't. There's no actual proof that these people were spiked. The studies that tend to say spiking either doesn't happen, at least not in the terms of this study, or is incredibly rare tend to involve actual people who have presented to hospitals claiming to be spiked in a time frame where their bloods can be tested for all of the most common drugs. In those situations, it is, and there's many, many studies on this, you tend to get a range of answers. A lot of them will come back with nothing but ethanol and usually massive levels of ethanol. And then you'll have ones that come back And they will say, well, there were this many people who had drugs in their system, but they tended to be recreational drugs. They don't tend to be things like rohypnol, which people have the image of. And then there have been one or two I've seen that have come back and had what they thought could be probable or possible cases of drink spiking. But you were looking at the smallest levels here. I mean, generally in the 1% and below range. And that's the people actively presenting to hospital as having been spiked within a time frame where it can be determined categorically if it happened or not. And again, most of those studies, the primary thing they find is massively elevated levels of ethanol. And that kind of makes sense. 
If you are in a place where you are drinking, you are voluntarily drugging yourself. With quite a powerful drug, but one which is so common that I don't think the side effects are explained to people in as clear a terms as they should be. Maybe if you're dealing with young, particularly very young people who are inexperienced drinkers and they drink to the to I mean, it's also true. The effects of a certain amount of alcohol one night won't, will produce different outcomes to another night, depending on your mood, how tired or not tired you are, um, how much you've eaten or not eaten and so on. So possibly people have an experience of being very, very drunk for the first time and they have a certain set of symptoms which they don't realise, which if you've drunk enough for long enough, you start just, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you feel. Oh, God, I've been there. I know exactly that feeling. They don't. And maybe they confuse it with something else. I mean, I think the, the language that was used by one of the organisers in Sheffield was interesting. She talked about numerous horror stories for people out socialising in Sheffield. She said, it's frightening. There's a general feeling of being unsafe. I don't want to be Dr. Freud here, but I wonder is this in some way connected to people coming out post-COVID, having people going out and socialising and drinking that haven't been for quite some time, haven't been involved in this kind of situation for quite some time. Maybe just a general hangover, a sense of safety or a a need to feel safe. And I don't know. Pandemics are strange things. They're not something we've ever experienced. Nobody effectively, I don't think there's anybody alive much, there can't be many people alive today who have any memory of the last pandemic, you know, the Spanish flu that was 103 years ago. So it's a kind of a whole new experience for us. It is to be expected, I imagine, that it'll have some kind of a psychological after effects, or not even after effects, I mean, we're we're still in the, maybe these are like post earthquake tremors we're still in the pandemic we're not out of it yet but that they will have some kind of effect on us as we, psychically as we socialize and as we come out i, I don't know but uh, it just feels like the same kind of thing we've seen before doesn't it the descriptions and i'm going through the, the various reports that you bits and pieces you can find on online i haven't found any reports from either doctors or police saying that they've they were confident this had happened. The police are concerned and they want to make people feel safe and they want to get tell people how to avoid being spiked, you know. little They're giving out st- colour strips, you know this thing? Strips you can put in your drink which will change colour if something's been put in your drink and covers for your drink so you sh- and telling people not to leave their drinks unattended and stuff like that. But there's not much from, shall we say, official Britons, which sounds like somebody saying, yes, we think this is happening. Reading a couple of reports on this, and the BBC were talking about it. They had talked about it with a general air of, um, not disbelief, but a certain, we assume you don't think this is happening tone. And then they started talking about, and this is of course distinct from the objective rise in the number of spikings across the country. And I followed that thread to see where it went and where this objective rise in spikings was. And again, it came to a survey which asked people, have you been spiked? That's not an objective measurement. It's nothing approaching an objective measurement. It's a perception test. The amount of people who say they've been spiked has increased. But we've known for a long time 
that that doesn't really seem to have any relation to the actual rates at which people are detecting spikings. One thing probably worth noting is, and this is a point that nearly all of the studies on this area make, the people presenting believing their spikes generally have massive amounts of ethanol in their blood. They may be able to remember nothing, they may think they only had a couple of drinks, and most of the studies make the point that if you're going to spike someone with, why would you do it with illicit drugs? You would do it with alcohol. You'll just give people alcohol. Because alcohol, you were saying about the the um, behavioral changes that can be caused by spiking, according to the BBC, and how all of that can be achieved through alcohol. So why would you carry an illicit drug with you, which you can be caught administering to someone, as opposed to if you really wanted to get someone so drunk that you could do whatever you wanted with them, why wouldn't you just buy them alcohol? It would seem that that might be an easier way of doing it. And there's no criminal possibility if someone sees you buying a drink for someone. It's in fact something that most people would probably welcome in a nightclub. So a lot of these studies do make the general point that, you know, control your drinking and don't accept drinks from people. Not because you think they might be spiked, just so that you just don't get shit-faced without knowing. Just as a counterpoint, if you are a psychopath and this is how you're going to get your jollies, maybe you just like the idea of injecting people. It's part of the game. I could see that that'd be more fun for you if you are sort of a low-level Hannibal Lecter going around the pubs of Britain doing this kind of thing. It's possible that someone is doing this. Weirder things have happened. I do think if someone is doing this, it's probably not related to spiking because it takes time to to actually get a syringe into someone, Michael, and inject its contents. It's not as quick as movies show it where it just goes in and they fall down. My biggest problem with this is that nobody has been seen. This is supposed to have happened all over Britain and not just in four or five cases, but Allegedly, in numerous cases all over Britain, this, there's been this increase in this activity. And yet nobody has been spotted doing what is basically a very strange behaviour. And I, I suppose the listener might fairly say, why would multiple people in different parts of the country start saying this has happened at the same time if it hadn't happened? And there's an article I will link below this, which I think actually explains it in more detail than we'll have time to. And it's called... Teen girls are developing tics. Doctors say TikTok could be a factor. Oh, yeah. And what it is, is young women turning up in doctors' offices with severe physical tics, similar to what you would see from someone with Tourette's syndrome. There is a thing on TikTok of social media influencers who have Tourette's syndrome. And I had seen this over the last while, and I spent some time looking at these people, Michael, and I would have the strong suspicion the vast majority of these influencers do not have Tourette's. Because Tourette's, severe Tourette's, is a debilitating uh, mental condition, uh, an awful condition. And I have some familiarity with it. And looking at the way these people act and the way they present themselves and the form that the tics they have take, I would not, I wouldn't be quite surprised if they legitimately had Tourette's as opposed to were putting it on. But anyway... Teen girls have started turning up in doctors' offices, particularly in America, with all of the symptoms of Tourette's because they have, well, that's a causal link, but it looks like it's because they have been immersed in this social media influencer space of people who claim to have Tourette's and display the same kind of tics. That that story is so bizarre on so many levels. I was, first of all, I thought it was just weird that this 
Okay, there is everything on TikTok. I understand that, but right down to this, where you've got these young women going on, videoing themselves, displaying th this series of of ticks, vocal ticks, physical ticks, whatever that you would associate with people suffering with Tourette's. And then uh, these are really quite big. I mean, it's not 65 people looking at these videos. It's millions of people are watching these videos. And you can, as you say, you can't make a causal connection, but we can say that there does seem to be a correlation between the you know, the girls presenting in the doctor's office and those people watching those who have been watching large numbers of these videos. There's, they, they seem to be correlated, if not causally linked. But isn't, isn't that just bizarre? I mean, it's like, a, it's like one of those sort of carny shows from 100 years ago where people would particular physical presentations or maybe in this case takes are put on show for people to come along and look at like the bearded lady or, or Siamese twins or something it's just kind of it struck me as kind of weird and sick and also maybe some of these people maybe all of these people do have Tourette's but I'm skeptical Tourette's is a de exhausting debilitating disease uh, for people who have it it's not it's not fun. No, and obviously it ranges in severity and some of the milder ends can be very mild indeed. Have you noticed the way OCD has become this thing now on, you know, that OCD is the way you can be, you, you can, it's like a superpower. People who have OCD can become wonderful detectives. Or, they can solve, they are the doctors or something. If you actually meet someone with OCD, it's crushing. Yeah, that, that's another condition that can actually be to be totally debilitating. Did I explain what Tourette's actually is? No, you didn't, sorry. What, what Tourette's is, is a condition that it causes people to have what are known as tics. So they would be, they could be movements, they could be sound uh, that they cannot control. So they are involuntary movements or vocal tics. The common presentation of someone with Tourette's that they would um, just randomly shout obscenities or curse words or, or things like that. That can be part of Tourette's, but it only affects a very minor amount of people with Tourette's. Um, what you would more commonly see, you'd see vocal tics and you'd see motor tics, movement, and they can range from very mild kind of grimacing things like that to far more um, extreme. And the important thing about them is that they are involuntary. Some can be set off by certain things. Some just happen randomly. Um, there's some interesting questions about exactly why. But, and some of them can be physically harmful, actually. There are people who would have uh, a motor tick that involves the sudden jerking of a body part. And it, particularly if it's the head or the shoulder, can actually be moderately dangerous, depending on how extreme it is. But that is Tourette's. You don't, you don't want Tourette's. It's not a fun thing. And these people do not have Tourette's. They're just picking up the symptoms of it because people are animals. And particularly during times of stress or anxiety or fear, that shape can take forms that are known to it. So if you see that someone does something as a stress response, you can start doing it yourself. And ideas of what is appropriate and what is risky and what you should be afraid of spread the same way. 
So if people suddenly start saying that this is happening in one area, particularly with the internet because it makes everything feel like it's happening in the same area as you, there's no sense of distance, absolutely people can start thinking it's happening there as well. But it has all the hallmarks of a good old-fashioned panic. Uh, yeah, I mean, also, it's just uh, just to state the bleeding obvious. If, as I if as I as I said earlier, you you you're reading on the internet that this is happening somewhere, and the symptoms are dizziness, drowsiness, sickness, headaches, confusion, and passing out. It's not hard to see why somebody or some people in various places scattered around the country will go, "Oh my God, that's what I had." In much the same way, I mean, it's a cliche, but it is apparently true that when a prob- when a popular news program will report on some strange or exotic disease. The next day, doctors will be inundated by people convinced that they have precisely those symptoms, even though you would probably have had to have close intimate had close intimate contact with an Ethiopian baboon to have caught this particular disease. It doesn't matter. You say, oh my God, there are my symptoms. That's what I have. I have that syndrome, that disease, what it is. So if you see it, Somebody describing these are the symptoms. That's what I had. It wasn't the uh, fourteen Jägermeisters I had after the night out that caused me to feel like that. It could be interesting to see if we if it if it makes it across the the Irish Sea. It will be. I, I obviously with stuff like this, you want to believe something, and anything serious that anyone alleges is worth investigating from a police perspective. But I do have somewhat of a concern that the talk of things like this, and actually a lot of the talk about drink spiking, and our willingness to accept it's happened in cases where most likely it didn't, and someone just got very drunk, is that it has led us to avoid the very obvious point that if you are drinking large quantities of alcohol, the dangerous drug you should primarily be concerned with from a health perspective is the alcohol. Yeah. And things like the fact that alcohol is a, is an amnesiac shockingly low amount of people seem to know that. Like, they know that you can black out if you drink, but they don't seem to realise that you can, prior to falling over, lose all ability to make new memories, but can be fine to people who are talking with you, because the rest of it is going to take a while to set in. And you can keep (laughs) drinking during that period, and sometimes you can drink very heavily, and there are particular ways of drinking which can cause that to become more likely. Now, I think you pick up these things as you get older in Ireland... Because you drink in ways that you shouldn't. And you do that a couple of times and you kind of realise, okay, if I have a dozen Sambucas just shot after shot, I'm going to wake up with no idea what happened. One of the benefits of alcohol as a drug is that unlike other drugs which can be bad for you, like say tobacco, you get immediate feedback when you have abused it. You will wake up the next day and you will feel as you feel. Now, you're younger, you're, you tend to get better more quickly. But as the years go by, and it doesn't have to be that many years, the effects really start to pile in, and it starts to become a, an educator. In my case, for I learned very quickly that if at the end of the night I decided that I would have a couple of whiskeys or a couple of cognacs, that, that was just brown spirits generally. For It would be, oh, God, oh, the pain, the pain. And then, more generally, you recognise that if you go beyond a certain point, you are going to feel the way you feel. And you can get away with that maybe a little bit when you're 21, but when you're hitting 30 and then onwards, you don't want to. So it educates you. Unless, of course, it has got a grip on you and you can't do anything about it. And you, you just have, uh, you just try and manage it. There was one thing that's happening in England, um, well, sorry, the UK, which I think is absolutely counterproductive. They're going to have a um, boycott of nightclubs until MPs 
bring in a law about this. And, you know, they're demanding action, Michael. Exactly what form that action is going to take is, is a bit up in the air. Hold on. Are you, are you telling me that are you telling me in England injecting somebody with a, with a drug isn't already a crime? I would strongly suspect it is. I have a feeling that people who are not licensed doctors going around injecting people who are in nightclubs without their permission with a drug is probably a crime already. And if it isn't, then England is a far more liberal uh, approach to these things than I thought it did. And I, I... Part of what they're saying they want is the changing of date rape drugs, or what they call date rape drugs, from class C to a higher class. So there will be more consequences for offenders. There are two problems with that. One, the drugs that are commonly seen as date rape drugs, rohypnol, things like that. Even in the studies in this that have found people who have had illicit drugs in their systems, they weren't those drugs. So, yeah. And the other thing is, if you are they're going to boycott these nightclubs and there's going to be, I think, a, a couple of days where they don't go to nightclubs. A lot of the reports of drink spiking, I don't know what the Ireland statistics are. I, I wouldn't make a comment on that could be the majority of reports of drink spiking are from house parties. So avoiding nightclubs, not going to do anything. Social distancing is the answer. If everybody just drinks by themselves and nobody can come in with, within four feet of you, then you'll be safe. The I think the other problem they have is they want nightclubs to put up posters about being spiked or um, whether it's through a needle or otherwise and increase the visibility. Nightclubs don't like that sort of thing. Because if you walk into a nightclub and all it is is wall-to-wall posters about how you might be spiked, that just (laughs) doesn't set the mood they want. Nor would it be in any way effective. But anyway, as you you said, Michael, it'll be interesting to see if this makes the jump over to Ireland. And if it does make the jump, how it's going to be reported. But considering this seems to be largely being spread through social media at the minute, there's no reason why it wouldn't. And if it does come up... Well, now you will know broadly the facts on it. And if you are the parent of someone who is going to be going to nightclubs and possibly drinking heavily, and you're concerned about this, educate them on alcohol use and misuse and how to know when you've had enough. And that will do a surprising lot of good that most of this isn't going to because... Enough. When is enough? Anyway, when you're 21, that's a hard one. Yeah, I actually blame a lot of the reporting on this. Because there'll be a, you know, a survey that says, well, we asked 15,000 people and this many people said they've been spiked. And it will be reported as objectively spiking has gone up. And that's not what's being said. And that's not what is being asked. But speaking about um, bad reporting. Oh, yes. Some interesting little, shall we say, um, mainstream media. I, I think we'll go with lie in this case, Michael, from the Associated Press. It relates to Dave Chappelle's last special. So what happened is Dave Chappelle put out a special on Netflix and Dave Chappelle talks a lot about uh, actually quite a lot of things. I think he was quite offensive to a lot of groups. It was sort of an equal opportunities offense day. People took particular offense with things he had said about transgender people. And there was a small walkout of Netflix staff, a protest against him. There were two interesting things about this. One, it was reported that a thousand Netflix staff were going to walk out. And that seems to have come from a single report, which was given by an anonymous source in one newspaper, and then repeated by a series of newspaper until people stopped referring to where it came from. And like that, a rumour from an anonymous source became 
a thousand people expected this is what we think will happen and about 50 showed up but it was it was a very interesting one of you know just fact laundering starts absolutely nothing baseless just something someone says ends with a newspaper telling you this is what's happening and in between is just a long chain of newspapers all copying from each other with no one fact checking but that did go around that went around that went around the world like the shot heard around the world a, a thousand a thousand employees of netflix are going to down tools and go out netflix are under under pressure from their employees and netflix employees deeply unhappy a thousand people all this everywhere you looked a thousand people were all going to go as it turned out it the uh, descriptor that was used in the reporting of the actual event was dozens i always think it's a problem for when when you have to go to the word dozens it just feels like you're trying a bit too hard you could say around 30 no dozens how we've all been there but the actual one i wanted to talk about was a photo caption from the associated press yeah and i'll put a link to this photo below and the photo is captioned comedian and videographer vito giseldi screams profanities as he engages with peaceful protesters begging him to leave (laughs) The problem with that, that the AP probably didn't foresee, is that there's video of the exact moment the photo was taken. Hold on, hold on now, Gary. You say that AP didn't foresee. I refuse to accept that at, at this point in human history, you do not assume automatically that not only will there be video, but that there will be multiple videos, let alone when you're talking about a protest. There, you, you, God Almighty, my phone has four cameras on it. I have no clue how to use any of them. I can do time-lapse photography on my phone if I wanted to. But, of course, there was going to be somebody who was going to videotape. There were going to be, if there were dozens of people at this protest, I would say at least a dozen people were going to be videoing, videoing any particular encounter. And this guy was basically, he was all, not quite a lone soldier, but almost a lone soldier there protesting. Not protesting, you know, he was basically, say, taking the piss. He had a sign that said, I like Dave. Yeah, wow. I mean, one of the best moments of the video, and I'll copy a link to the video below if I can find one. They've started to um, copyright strike a lot of the videos just to take them down. But there's he has a sign that says, I like Dave. And one of the Netflix people, or one of the protesters who were there with them, breaks the, the sign off, takes it from him and just snaps the actual sign. And then when he, when the guy, when Vito has you know, the stick that the rest of the sign was attached to, all you can hear is someone going, He's got a weapon. He's got a weapon. And it reminded me of a scene in Family Guy. The they're all they're in a police van and it's got this robot that can arrest you. And Cleveland, the black member of the gang, goes up to the thing, which has very peacefully arrested someone else, and it comes down and just starts batoning him, beats him into submission, and then as a little claw comes down with a gun, says in a totally deadpan voice, Look out, he's got a gun. <laughs> and that's all it reminded me of. Yeah. That that was the start of the video. No, also the video, I think it's on that video, you, was, you could hear repent, wasn't it? On that, you could hear them shouting, 
Repent, repent. There's one of the videos you can tell you can actually hear people shouting repent and then using an unfortunate and vulgar uh, epithet that I wouldn't use here. I, I believe the exact phrase was repent motherfucker. Yeah, well, you've said it now. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking about the notion and lots of people have been talking about the notion of wokeism as being a, as a, a form of ersatz religion or the new religion. We, we don't have to talk about it anymore. This is proof positive. Repent, motherfucker. Repent. Anyway, yeah, so they've broken the sign. He's been shouting things like, uh, I like Dave, I like Dave. Uh, Dave tells jokes. Dave's jokes are funnies. Or Dave, woo-hoo, woo-hoo. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know the hit, why all the hate. I don't know why all the violence. I just love Dave Chappelle. And then he just starts going, woo. Yeah. He takes it very well, considering some people are very angry at him. But at no point did he start yelling profanities. And you can see in the video the exact moment the photo was taken. So the guy was actually very good-humoured about a lot of people getting in his face, taking his property, breaking it. And then you, you end up, you know, with the AP saying you were screaming profanities as you engage with peaceful protesters begging you to leave. Do you remember that report? Was it CNN? or in, I think it was CNN from the reporter from, we'll say, Milwaukee, when behind him all you can see is this urban scape, night urban scape, which is on fire. Oh, the mostly peaceful protest line, as the building burns down behind him? <laughs> yeah, the mostly peaceful protests. Again, these, were, these weren't just mostly peaceful, these were peaceful protests that he was uh, shouting these imprecations at. The thing about this is it's an AP photo. And for those who don't know, the Associated Press is a very popular news service. So you'll commonly see it in Ireland, the AP and Reuters, that newspapers will just pay them to reprint one of their stories. And I'm pretty sure that photo was just a stock AP photo that you could buy the rights to. But it came with the caption attached to it. AP is one of the big boys. I mean, you've got AP, Reuters, Agence France, maybe Al Jazeera, a couple of the, maybe one of the Russians. I mean, but it's one of the big international sources for people who want to put news in and they don't, they can't afford to have somebody over there. So they, they'll buy a story from AP and they'll buy, certainly buy images from AP. So this guy had that description of him probably posted by I would say a very considerable amount of news agency. So actually, I may have been mistaken about what was on his sign. He may have had a sign that didn't say, I like Dave. It may have actually just said, jokes are funny. I think he said, I like Dave. I think it's, my memory is, was I like Dave was on his sign. Um, somebody pointed out on, on, on social media that it, he effectively had gone with a sign saying, down with this sort of thing. And that was exactly the vibe of it, you know. It was as aggressive and as violent as down with this sort of thing. This guy, Vito, is saying that he went there with another guy, Dick Masterson, which is a name that may be familiar to some people who have spent too much time on the internet. Uh, Masterson was alleging that he was assaulted and thrown, uh, had his head thrown into a concrete ball beside the headquarters. Had to go to hospital, get a CT scan. So if that's true, we have a situation where Someone went with a sign saying something like, I like Dave, with another guy who had to go to hospital because he was assaulted. And then the AP basically says, you're a lunatic screaming obscenities 
are peaceful protesters as they beg you to please leave and let peace reign again. Uh, There are two things about this that struck me. The first one was after Covington, and for the listeners who who remember, Covington was the the, 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 made the headlines because of clips of video which went out of a a Catholic uh, school had sent up a bunch of their boys, like sort of leaving certain age kind of thing, to do a tour of Washington, and at the end of it they became involved in something of a confrontation with a number of other groups. And the the initial video seemed to be showing this this young man smirking in the face of a Native American and being rather aggressive and whatever. And it was all a typical example of Trump, young Trumpites behaving terribly badly and all that. The problem was that when you actually watch the whole video, the, the, the narrative was completely different. And all these people who had come out and said these horrible things about COVID students and this man, young man in particular, had to eat their words and get their checkbooks out, Gary, also. Uh, very substantially get their checkbooks out. Everybody said, oh, well, you know, now everybody knows. You can't, you can't just jump to a conclusion. You can't just put an image or a clip of video up and then and pretend you know what happened. From now on, everybody is going to be much more careful. Well, it turns out, Gary, that was just bull hooey. Because ever since we did, this is just the, the latest example, that you throw up an image, you put on a caption, and away you go. And then the remarkable thing is, how long did it take in this instance between the image going up and the video following it? Well, <laughs> slightly less time, Michael, than it took newspapers which had published with the original caption to suddenly delete everything yeah <laughs> I mean, I, we really have got to that point where if you don't do it not you now you're lost you can't wait 15 minutes you literally can't wait 15 minutes or half an hour you can't go on google and just say oh i wonder is there anything else that we need to know about this story because as a number of people like people like Patricia Huff Summers and others are pointing out, this man seems to have a fairly nailed on case for libel or defamation in the United States against AP. Well, I think that America is a federal country, so it depends where he is. It depends exactly what happened. Um, they have exceptionally broad free speech protections. It is very difficult to sue someone for defamation successfully sue someone for defamation in America and can be more difficult substantially depending where you live. But Gary, he's not a public he's not a public person. He's not a public individual. You see, he is actually a YouTuber. So they will they will absolutely claim he is a public person. Yeah. Um and you know that maybe that's not the that's not the worst argument. He may not be incredibly popular. Like I'd never heard of him. But if he's a YouTuber, he's coming from that perspective and that place, he arguably is a public person. But at the same time, I've noticed two things since this happened. So two things. One is that the articles that had up the caption are just disappearing. And then some of them are coming back up with edits with that thing removed. Others aren't. But it looks like a load of news sites um, got caught with this. Like I was going through... um, just throwing in the photo caption into Google and seeing what came up. And like Breitbart used the photo 
But because the caption is, is attached to the photo, they posted the caption as well. But like, you're, you've got to imagine Breitbart is not politically sympathetic to the Netflix protesters. So I would say what's happened here is people have just taken it from AP and a load of them didn't even realize the caption was there because it's an AP stock photo. What would be the issue with it? And then it turns out, actually, there's a substantial issue to it. The other thing I've noticed is the videos in which you can see him getting his sign broken and you can see the moment the photo is taken. Yeah. All of those videos are getting copyright strikes against them. They're being forced down. If you go onto the guy's uh, Vito uh, Guzaldi's, even his Twitter, you can see that there's tweets that are, are now gone because of reports from copyright holders. And he himself has said that he nearly got his account taken off him for posting a video of his own assault. So I think there was a recognition that Maybe don't lie about someone when that person can find video. Maybe this is a learning moment, Michael. Maybe they'll be better next time. Yeah, yeah, they'll be. Yeah, they'll be better. They'll be better like they were the last time, like they like they were with the the the, the video, the George, the George uh, Floyd video, and the 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 guy with the, the shot the the two people afterwards after the post. They, oh yeah, they'll be better than they were before. As regards, yeah, I, I take your point. I mean, we know that the United States suing for defamation is much more difficult, but one of the key things that would make that it seems to be problematic for the AP in this case is one of the key, key words that you need for a prosecution is reckless. And reckless, the, legally, is a, a lack of due care. Now, if you're, upon a, if you're AP, you're going to put, a, you're selling a photograph, which you know the point of your business is to send that photograph literally around the world. You have a certain, you have a certain requirement to do a, a degree of due diligence. And it's not that they made a small mistake, Gary, here. They made a massive mistake. They invented shit. They made it up. And that seems to me to be very close to what, as good a definition of reckless as you could like. I am I'm very slow to describe people as lying. And that's not because I don't think people are dishonest. But generally when people say someone lied, they mean they said something that wasn't true. That's not lying. To lie, you need to know what you were saying isn't true. And you need to say it anyway in a deliberate attempt to deceive. You need to intend. Exactly. To lie is to speak is to speak falsely with an intent to deceive. Yeah, most of the time I hear even politicians say that someone lied. Like you have no way of knowing that. It's entirely possible they were just mistaken, and that people are mistaken an amazing amount of times, and then they get caught on it, and you obviously can't admit you were mistaken, so you have to keep double down. But in this instance, it looks it it is so far removed from the reality which the photographer would have seen that it looks like a lie. It's not wrong. It's not mistaken. It looks like a lie. But like many things, Michael, the lying is not the worst part of it, nor the assault. It's the hypocrisy. (laughs) It's always the hypocrisy, Gary. I dug up some tweets from the the person who organized the Netflix walkout, Michael, which, you know, was put together because Dave Chappelle punched down. He attacked uh, you know, a, a, a vulnerable class of people. And by the way, there was no great work in, in finding these tweets. After I found them, I saw the people had already started putting together compilations of them. The person who organized the, uh, the Netflix walkout 
is a person called Ashley Marie Preston. And I just wanted to read you some of her uh, tweets, Michael. Latino and Asian businesses need to stop being rude and fucking disrespectful. And I know it's a lot to ask in CA, but speak fucking English. Whoa. Latino, by the way, not Latinx. Here's another one. Almost got hit by an Asian in a BMW as I crossed the street. Yes, I know what you mean, but the important thing is that we didn't say it. Just broke my phone on this Asian bitch's head. I have Asian friends, but there are some motherfucking weirdos sometimes. I said it, but we all think it. Uh, this Asian nigger in Subway got a fat ass. He almost looks like a bitch from behind. And it goes on. And it goes on. Is the author of the tweets a person of colour? Well-known activist, apparently. And friend of the Asian and Latin- Latino community. Oh, very, very much so. Absolutely, Michael. Um, I'm not actually sure if she works at Netflix, or she's just an external activist who managed to stir it up. Oh, they're also trans. They're up, well up the hierarchy of victimology, so they can say what they like. Mm. Hey-ho. So, that is that. Is that. It, uh, I was going to say, maybe a small thing, but no, I don't. I actually think the AP saying that about someone is quite a big thing, because the AP is so widely trusted. And as we've seen, they're also a distribution network. Yeah, it is. It's a problem. And it's a problem because it just it's just another stone in the well. It's another moment corroding away what little bits of trust we had of what we hate. Oh, I hate that horrible phrase, mainstream media or heritage media, whatever it is you want to call it. And, you know, Gary, as much as the young people and others would like to think that we have this wonderful new age dawning of information where which is completely democratized. We we actually would like to have a couple of organizations or institutions that we could turn to to get some form of reasonably accurate, balanced, truthful information about shit what is happening. And it's not good for us. It's not good for us as a society or as a civilization that we don't. But there you go. Sounds like you're saying, Michael, that maybe in an era when trust in journalism is at record lows, it might be helpful if one of the most prestigious and largest news organizations in the world didn't act in a way in which people might point at and say, it actually makes absolutely solid sense to distrust these people. Well, yeah, I think that would be a reasonable precy of what I'm saying. Well, you're a utopian, Michael. I don't, I don't know. Now, Gary, now that's not fair. That's not a nice thing to say to a person, particularly, you know, in October and Halloween coming up. Anyway, I suppose we shall be back on... What day should we be back on, Gary? We'll be back on Sunday. With our Sunday miscellany. We might review Dave Chappelle's special, I suppose. We might not, because that's not what we do, but maybe. It's available on Netflix, is it? It's available on Netflix. Uh, yes, we may actually review it. It's not what we normally do. But neither was restaurant reviews, and a shocking number of you seem to think I should do more of that. <laughs> anyway, well, whatever we're doing, we'll be back doing it on Sunday. And until then, keep safe and mind yourselves. All the best.